Welcome to the Ridley College Chapel podcast. Our mission is to equip men and women for God's mission in a rapidly changing and increasingly complex world. For more information, visit ridley.edu.au. Friends, one of the professions I admire most is the job of paediatrician. The great thing about a paediatrician, a kid's doctor, is that they can't rely on the kids using words to describe their ailment. It's not easy for kids to identify or to use nuanced language to explain what's painful, what's going on in their lives. Paediatricians have to be excellent observers. Of course, these days they can use technical equipment as well to help them make a diagnosis, but their observation skills need to be excellent. We need, as leaders amongst God's people, to have these kinds of observation skills as well. Let me explain. Yesterday, we spoke about leaders in the book of Exodus as guardians of grace, the priests had the job of guarding grace or making sure that people knew the Lord's closeness. And in the book of Leviticus, of course, the priests are still having to exercise that kind of ministry, being guardians of grace. But now we learn of some extra skills that those guardians of grace need as well. In the book of Leviticus, the people are still at Mount Sinai. They haven't left yet. It takes until Numbers chapter 10 before they set out. They're still at the foot of Sinai. And the lesson of Leviticus is what does it mean for the people to be holy? The people need to learn this lesson And the leaders of the people need to help them understand it. But, of course, it says everything but says nothing to speak the word holiness. For some people, the association in their mind is morally pure. For others, it might mean, in this case, ritually clean. For others, it might mean feeling the weightiness of the Lord. But for my purposes this morning and helping us to understand what Leviticus 9 and 10 are about, I want to I use the phrase being on the Lord's side as a way of capturing the various dimensions of what holiness is. Of course, Christians are on the Lord's side because we are in Christ. We are necessarily connected to Christ. We are on his side. But we have to learn in our identity, in our actions, in our words, our thoughts, to demonstrate what it means to be on the Lord's side. If you've been watching any of the Olympics, you'll see national flags being raised so the athletes identify with a particular country. Well, we're not raising a flag, as it were. We're demonstrating holiness to show what country we belong in. We belong in Christ. 
Now, in these two extraordinary chapters in Leviticus 9 and 10, a narrative section of the book where lots of the book is otherwise legislation, the priests are practising holiness. They are doing what the Lord requires of them. They're showing that they're on the Lord's side. Just before the passage we read at the end of chapter 9, verse 22, we read, Aaron lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them, and he came down from offering the sin offering and the burnt offering and the peace offerings. Aaron has just showed that he's on the Lord's side by offering the very things that the Lord required, the sin offering which helps people understand their own responsibilities, the burnt offering which helps people understand their dedication, all of life lived before the Lord. The peace offering, explaining how we need to see ourselves with each other on the Lord's side. The ordination offering, where the priests showed that they were dedicating themselves wholeheartedly to the Lord's service. The priests were demonstrating holiness because the priests were learning for themselves and for others to teach what it means to be on the Lord's side, doing what he wanted them to do but also not just offering sacrifices ritually just because they had to, to the letter of the law. By offering these sacrifices, the people were practising spiritual postures. They were learning how to confess. They were learning how to dedicate themselves. They were learning how to make peace. They were learning how to offer themselves for service. These spiritual postures We're helping people to learn what it means to be on the Lord's side, just like going to church does for us. In going to church, we're practising being on the Lord's side because we're also, as it were, confessing, dedicating ourselves, making peace and giving ourselves to service. But it's not just that the priests in Chapter 9 are offering sacrifices to show that they're on the Lord's side. At the end of chapter 9, Aaron lifts his hands, having come out of the tent of meeting, and blesses the people, and the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people, and fire came out from before the Lord, consumed the bird offering and the pieces of fat in the altar, and when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their knees." Aaron wants to reassure the people that they're on the Lord's side. He raises his hand in a sign of peace, encouraging them to leave this assembly and as they go out to find assurance that the Lord is with them even when they're not gathered together. And just as Aaron is blessing the people, the fire comes down, which had been on the top of the mountain, right? But now the fire is on the bottom of the mountain. The fire reaches out, licks up the offerings that are there on the altar. The people are safe. The Lord has done his worst and the people are alive still because they're on the Lord's side, having demonstrated that through their offerings. The people fall on their faces and they shout their praise. At the end of a church service, 
we want to remind and reassure people that as they leave, they're still with the Lord. And so we too, from time to time, offer a blessing or a benediction. Being on the Lord's side is what we practice in church, but we can experience it when we're not together as well. But as our own reading today from Leviticus 10 showed, there were a couple of people who did not want to show that they were on the Lord's side. Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. When they refused to show that they were on the Lord's side by doing as he'd asked. Verse 3, fire came out from before the Lord and consumed them, and they died before the Lord. We neglect holiness at our own peril. And Moses says in verse 3, this is what the Lord has said, amongst those who are near me I'll be sanctified and before the people I will be glorified. And Aaron held his peace. Of course, Aaron would have been grieving the loss of his sons. But he has to show at this moment that he too, as the high priest, is on the Lord's side and sees the rightness of this punishment. In fact, a few times in the remaining in the remaining passages, paragraphs of Leviticus 10, this very same question arises so that at the end of chapter 10, Aaron decides not to eat the leftovers, which he was entitled to as priest after the sacrifice, because he doesn't want people to think he's ignoring the Lord's chastisement and having a party instead. Well, we have to learn what it means to be on the Lord's side, and church services help us to do that. But we're reminded as well that there are costs if leaders of the people fail to follow God's rule, his instructions. And indeed, we're reminded in James that leaders are going to be judged more strictly. James chapter 3, verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And the Lord Jesus says, from those to whom much is given, much will be expected. We as leaders need to be examples of holiness. And actually, we need to commit ourselves to the path of holiness in some ways beyond what those of our congregations or our churches have to do. Friends, as heroes of holiness, leaders amongst God's people must say no to things every day. We might like to think, as I do, that I've been a Christian for a long time and therefore now I can take shortcuts in obedience. I can 
presume that the Lord likes me more than others. No, actually, it's the opposite. I'm an example to the flock. So I have to beware my obedience because I'm called to be a leader. I need to show to my congregation, to the college, to the world, that I'm on the side of the Lord. And it's possible, it's good for others to pursue that kind of lifestyle as well. We neglect holiness at our peril. But amazingly, here and elsewhere in the Old Testament, the example of priests has to be backed up with the priests teaching others holiness. So it's not enough just for me to presume to pursue a kind of holy life. My job is to teach others to be holy as well. My example isn't enough. I need words as well to explain what it means to be on the Lord's side. Essential to being a teacher, I beg your pardon, essential to being a leader is to be a teacher. Now, it's very easy to, to, to think of the priests of the Old Testament doing sacrifices, and they do a lot of that. But we need to watch out the details because essential to their job is teaching. We see this in the passage that was read for us. I'm looking at Leviticus 10, verse 10. You are to distinguish between the holy and the common and between the unclean and the clean. And you are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Essential to the job of a priest is to be a proclaimer. In this verse, they're to use their observation skills to help the people know what exactly being holy requires of them. We see this very instruction in Malachi, in Malachi 2. This is how priests are described there. Malachi 2.8, oh, big button, Malachi 2.7. The lips of a priest should guard knowledge and people should seek instruction from his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. The problem in Malachi's day was that the priests weren't teaching and therefore the people weren't listening. Christ himself in John 17 speaks about the importance of being sanctified, being made holy. How do we become holy? Jesus says, be sanctified by the truth. Your word is truth. Friends, to be leaders amongst God's people means to be teachers amongst God's people. And we're teaching people what it means to be on the Lord's side. We're teaching people holiness. And if we want to change our church or change our diocese or change our denomination, the way we go about it is to teach others, right? I have a friend 
elsewhere in Australia who is trying to reform his denomination. But continually the approach to reform comes through doing things efficiently. What I keep saying to him is, no, you've got to make sure you're taking up every opportunity to preach and teach because that's the way people will learn what it means to be on the Lord's side, to be holy. And I get it that it's hard and that it's not always clear cut, that there's complexity in the world working out what holiness means. What does it mean to be on the Lord's side? I understand that it's not always easy There are lots of missiological constraints, how cultures work and how we explain what it means to be on the Lord's side in this culture or that culture. Some years ago I was at an international student conference and uh, the debate arose whether in South Africa the black students and the white students should be in the same student movement or were they allowed to have separate student movements, a black campus movement and a white campus movement? Because the issue arose, in Canada, it's permitted to have a French-speaking student movement and an English-speaking student movement and a Chinese-speaking student movement. And so the... uh, issue arose, why is this seen as so inconsistent? Why is the policy so hard to deliver? I get it that sometimes it's really hard to explain how we should live a holy life given our own national or personal context. I got up and gave a speech in that session trying to say that it was also the case in the New Testament, right, that uh, Paul expected Timothy to be circumcised but didn't expect Titus to be circumcised. That For Paul, there were, of course, missiological constraints. There were other local factors which meant that his policy seemed inconsistent but nonetheless it was a deeper consistency because he was using both of these young men to lead people to Christ but in different spheres. I get that it's hard to teach holiness and that in some circumstances what it's going to look like to be holy for you is going to be different from what it looks like to be holy for me. But that aside, we still have the common goal. We still have the common goal to help people know what it means to be on the Lord's side to teach people what it means to be on the Lord's side, to be an example of it ourselves. No wonder we encourage leaders in our churches to come to Ridley for three or four years to study because it's hard to work out how to handle the scriptures and how to teach people these very, very deep lessons. But like good paediatricians, we need to observe our context so that we can apply the word faithfully, helping people wherever they might be to understand more deeply what holiness requires of them. The priests had to offer right sacrifices. The good paediatrician works out what is the right medicine. And us as teachers of the scriptures need to work out what the right applications are. 
the very point that Moses is making here in explaining to Aaron and his sons what it means to be a priest. You are to teach the people of Israel all the statutes that the Lord has spoken to them by Moses. Brothers and sisters, I want you to be guardians of grace. I want you as well to be heroes for holiness in your own lives and as you train others as well. For we need to watch over our lives and doctrine carefully. So let me pray. Now, please, Heavenly Father, uh, write these truths this morning on our hearts. Please may you form us at Ridley as leaders that we might know what it is not just to be guardians of grace but to be heroes of holiness as well for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen.